Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Guy Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sign Guy with you as usual. Real fast before we jump into things with our guest today, if you're looking for some professional wrestling tonight. WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, 1151 South Kentucky Avenue. Battle at the Battle of the Border in Addison, Ohio. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. World of Hurt in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. 907 in Anchorage, Alaska. IWAU in Noble, Illinois. And PWA in Gladeville, Tennessee. Tomorrow night, SAPW in Spokane, Washington, AIWF in Mount Airy, North Carolina, Supreme in Madison, Indiana, UTL in Pound, Wisconsin, KLFI Television will have pro wrestling as part of a larger entertainment package in Texarkana, Arkansas, WTF in Fortville, Indiana, CCWA in Chattanooga, Tennessee, KZW in Shopville, Kentucky, CCW in Nashville, Tennessee, BCW in Marydale, Delaware, BOTW in Fresno, California, AWS in Orangeburg, South Carolina, RWA in Maryville, Tennessee, and Mission Pro Wrestling happening in San Antonio, Texas tomorrow. So make sure you get out there and support your local independence, if you have one near you. Maybe pick up some gifts for the holidays at the merchandise table, help support the local wrestlers and the local promotions. But without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show today. He is a long-time professional wrestler. Tank, welcome to the show. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure to have you, for sure. And since it happens to be your first time on our show, I will start you out with the traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Well, when I, first time I started watching wrestling, I was 10 years old. And I'm talking like old Georgia Championship Wrestling, Nick Gullis Wrestling here in Chattanooga. And I just like, man, that would be cool to be a you know pro wrestler when I grow up. And uh, I had a late start. I didn't start till I was 26 years old because I didn't really find any places to train. So me and some buddies practically trained ourselves, and some local guys seen us and uh, took us under their wing and gave us some real training. And then about six weeks later, I had my very first match and. Decatur, Tennessee, I believe is where it was. Decatur, somewhere up in, I'm from Chattanooga, and Chattanooga 
the whole area of Decatur is like 40 miles from Chattanooga. And uh, been doing it ever since. That was 1996. Just a lifelong fan, you know, and aspiring when I was a kid. To, you know, my dream was to be a professional wrestler. Uh, you say that you started when you were 26 years old and it only took you six weeks of training to get in there. Did you have any type of background that was going to prepare you for wrestling training, be it MMA or martial arts or some type of drama background, anything like that for what pro wrestling is? Or did you go into it and just naturally took to wrestling without a real background? Uh, I wrestled in uh, high school, a couple of years of college, so I knew how to how to grapple. And but uh, these other guys, you know, taught me the ropes on how to defend myself and not hurt anybody else, and you know, pretty much showed me the ropes. But I do have a pretty extensive amateur background of high school, college. Uh, did a lot of freestyle throughout the whole southeast. Did a couple of national tournaments, but you know that was when I was eighteen, nineteen years old, and then like I said, I didn't start until I was twenty-six, so I had seven years of pretty much doing absolutely nothing until I started pro wrestling. Now, for the people that know you from professional wrestling, your style of wrestling is usually very different from what someone would associate with somebody that has an extensive amateur background. Where do you think you learned to pick up sort of the hardcore wrestling style and drift away from the grappling and the technical aspect of the business? I don't you know, growing up in Tennessee, I, I always loved, you know, Memphis wrestling, Georgia, with very brawling type uh, territories. They, I mean, you can pretty much say hardcore wrestling was started in Memphis, Tennessee, with a fan brawl. And then in Georgia, you had Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer beating each other up for years. And, you know, doing all the blood matches, chain matches, cage matches. And when I first started wrestling, I was I was never really a technical guy. I've always been more of a brawler. But then every now and then I could throw in a little amateur grappling stuff in there with kind of uh, the crowds would be kind of like, well, he can wrestle. But now that I'm 51 years old and doing mainly hardcore and death matches, those are a lot easier on the body, to be honest with you, because I don't have to bend and contort my body in certain ways that I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> I hear you on that. Now, as someone that does have the background, and I know that sometimes you do go in there and you have just a straightforward technical wrestling match, what would you say is your favorite hold that's in your repertoire to use, whether it's something that you use on occasion, but you just really like it when you get to use it, or a hold that you use regularly and you like it because it gets a strong reaction. But what's that favorite 
like technical grappling hold that you have? Uh, for a few years, I was using the Anaconda Vice as my finish. I haven't done it in forever because I actually saw uh, Tenzon do it in New Japan. I was like, well, I want to start doing that. And then I, I did it for a while, and then CM Punk did it on uh, – it was the WWE's version of ECW. And I was like, well, I'm going to stop using that. So I quit doing it. You know, once once he started doing it on national television, I just quit doing it. But uh, not really technical moves, but I know I, I do a backdrop driver now, a choke breaker. I don't do any kind of certain holds. Cause I'm usually just standing there and throwing fists and hitting people with stuff and getting hit with stuff. Because Anaconda Vice is like my favorite actual like wrestling hold. And when you do get into the ring and you're wrestling a more straightforward technical match, do you find that fans get into that? Or do you find that fans are a little bit taken aback because that's not what they expect from you and it takes a little bit for them to kind of accept it? What's the general reaction when you do go in there and it's more of a straightforward professional wrestling match? I haven't done one of those in a long time, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm more, like I said, mainly a brawler, you know, and I'll throw in a a wrestling move in from time to time. I uh, did a show a few years back where I was like, I'm going to try to do, uh, I want to do some actual wrestling and the people in the southeast just know me as a brawler, and the first five six minutes of the match, they were just kind of sitting on their hands because they didn't really like it. You know, they want to see me mainly my gimmick. And uh, my wife even told me she was like, "Yeah, don't do that again. Just do what you do." So, but I do like to watch, you know, technical, you know, Danielson, Michael McGinnis, guys like that. I'm just. Like I said before, I'm just mainly a brawler. Not not too technical anymore. Nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned Memphis brawl for sure. Now, obviously with the style that you normally have, injuries are going to be part of it, and anyone that's in wrestling for any length of time is going to have those occasional injuries. It's just the natural course of pro wrestling what are some of the injuries over the last 25 years or so of your career that you've had to deal with uh i tore my rotator cuff in my right shoulder in 97 and never got it fixed and it still bothers me to this day i've uh, torn both my meniscuses in each knee wrestling i have broken my ankle wrestling Countless cuts and bruises and stitches, but the rotator cuff probably like my main one that still nags me to this day. I never got it fixed. One of the things that I have noticed in the last couple of years is we see a lot more referees and other personnel that work behind the scenes at wrestling shows taking 
first aid classes so that somebody with a promotion is certified in first aid. Do you think that, as a general rule, promotions should be having someone with a background in first aid on their shows, or do you think that it's nice to have if it's there but not totally necessary? It'd be nice to have somebody there at all times that really knows what's going on. Uh, for years, my wife was my traveling partner. She traveled with me everywhere. She's a nurse, so if anybody ever got banged up, she was always around to super glue a cut or try to give some advice on uh, certain injuries, elbows, shoulders. You know, she'd be like, yeah, you might need to go to the, you know, the hospital. Or She's pretty good about super gluing cuts. But shows here lately, I mean, I've, I haven't really seen too many medical people there. Uh, I know in the state of Georgia, a few years ago, they were trying to get a commission, trying to get pro wrestling commission, that you had to have a ambulance on hand, and that was just going to be way too expensive. But it would be nice to have somebody there at each show that knows what's going on, you know, somebody gets injured. Definitely. I always appreciate shows where there's somebody we know that has a medical background that is there just in case. And I live in Washington where that uh, commission also requires an ambulance and EMTs to be on hand, and it is very cost prohibitive. So I definitely see where you're coming from on that. One of the things that a lot of wrestlers usually gravitate towards at some point in time or another is promoting their own shows. It's just sort of a natural progression usually where wrestlers will think that they could run their own show and they want to give it a go to see how they do at being in charge themselves. Have you promoted many shows over the course of your career? I have never promoted a show. I've uh, I've I've helped book, you know, helped out with uh, storylines or whatever angles, but I've never actually run a show. I just like being the talent and don't want to have to deal with the the headache of being a promoter. It takes a special kind of person to be a promoter be honest with you. I just don't have it in me. Have you ever been approached by either someone in the industry or someone that was willing to be a sponsor of a show or anything like that to promote the shows, or is it something that's just never come up for you? It's never come up. It is definitely a very hard job to have so I can definitely see people not wanting to take up the responsibility one of the things in the era of pro wrestling that we are in right now is the streaming of shows has become very very important over the last few years because of the pandemic situation, a lot of places weren't having shows in front of fans for some 
times up to two years. A lot of places would live stream shows in order to keep content coming in. You have things like IWTV on the streaming services. You have Powerbomb.tv that streams independent shows. There's a lot out there as far as non-traditional televised wrestling in addition to a lot of promotions still running sometimes regional television sometimes you get a cable channel locally that will air professional wrestling on it where do you place the importance on learning how to wrestle on television in addition to wrestling on shows that are just for the live attendance? Well, I, uh, for years I worked at NWA Wildside in Cornelia, Georgia, and we were, we were just a, a TV promotion, basically. I mean, we had, we drew decent houses, but it was mainly just the TV tapings for, it was in over, like, 24, 25 states, and we, uh, you know, he learned to work the hard camera and all that stuff. And then here in this last run, I'd quit wrestling in 2017, took a couple of years off, and came back. I was having a good little run, and then the pandemic hit. So with me and my manager, the Rev, we decided, let's give it another run. We'll, we'll do a show here and there, but we came up with an idea is if you're not streaming, we're not going to do the show. I mean, there's no point in going to somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Georgia for 40 or 50 people. If it's, they're the only ones that's going to see it. But if I do a show that's streaming and there's only 40 or 50 people, there might be another three or 400 that will see it on IWTV or High Spots or Title Match. But most of my matches I've done this past year have been streamed on IWTV. I'm pretty good friends with... Uh, Dylan Hales, he's one of the main guys, and uh, I, I do think streaming is very important to help get some of these guys out there because, you know, I did one streaming match for ICW, and then I've gotten more bookings from that. But like I said, uh, I try to stick with the shows that, that stream. I've only done one show that, that, that didn't stream, and that was a benefit for somebody, and but I mainly stick with the, if you're streaming, I'll work with you. If you're not, we're probably not going to work out a deal. Uh, You said you were a big fan of Memphis, which was very famous for their studio wrestling. They were there at Channel 5 in Memphis for decades in front of just a couple hundred people. And some promotions have tried to come back with studio wrestling where they're inside of the television studio with a small audience. Uh, Portland Wrestling Uncut up in our area a few years ago was a studio wrestling show. Uh, You have the NWA, which runs basically a studio wrestling show. There's a promotion in Chicago trying it. Do you think that in a few years, more promotions are going to try to run inside of television studios and try to get that old studio wrestling feel back, or do you think that it's kind of an outdated model at this point? 
Oh man, I I love the studio wrestling. Man, I hope it would it could make a big comeback for a lot of a lot of these promotions. To you know, if there's one in Chicago, they could do one. You know, do the the TV taping or streaming or whatever on YouTube or IWTV. You know, and work angles on there to do house shows. You know, Chicago's a big area. You know, you got Streamwood and Summit and all these other little towns around Chicago, Joliet, uh, Midlothian, Illinois is another good spot, Highland, you know, they could do a TV show and branch out and do house shows at these other little venues. So, yeah, I, I'm all about some studio wrestling. We used to have studio wrestling here with Nick Goulas, who was, uh, he had worked with Jerry Jarrett for years, but he split off because he ran Chattanooga, Birmingham, Huntsville, and I never actually went to a studio show, but they ran the house shows. All the all the studio shows here in Chattanooga did. They did a a show at noon, and it was just to hype up the the Saturday night show at the auditorium. So if, if some of these smaller promotions could do that, you know, a lot of eyes could see it. They'd be like, well, they just left this uh, as a cliffhanger. I'm going to go tonight and see what the hell is going to happen. It could work. But it has to be done right, and that's all I got to say about that, pretty much. I, I just love studio wrestling, and I do wish it would come back. I agree with you there, for sure. Now, in your career, I'm pretty sure you have, on occasion, used a foreign object in the course of a match and I'm sure you've had some objects used on you in your career what would you say to this point has been the strangest foreign object ever used in one of your matches when I came into Wildside I used to carry a sickle and a little blue bag so that was my first like big uh, gimmick that I ever used that was just kind of weird but I've done, like, tons of death matches. The fans bring the weapons. And these people make some crazy stuff. I've had, oh, man, I don't know if this is a <laughs> kid or family-friendly show. I had a dildo wrapped in barbed wire. I was like, what the hell is this? I mean, it was just crazy. I would probably say the dildo wrapped in barbed wire was the craziest thing I've ever used in a match. That's definitely one you don't see very often. No. Now, being from Tennessee, there's a gentleman that uh, I work with quite a bit that has been in Tennessee, and he's worked in some of the promotions you have. I don't know if you've crossed paths. I'm presuming so. Did you ever work with Ox Harley? You know, I've never met him. Uh he had worked IWA Mid-South years ago, and then I started there in, like, 2004. And he runs shows, like, right up probably, like, 45 minutes from my house. But I've never met him. I had touched base with him one time about coming in, but this is when I was full-time. And something had happened, and I couldn't do the show. But, uh, like I said, I've never met him, but I've always heard he's a really cool guy. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I love Ox Harley. So if you ever get the chance, I would definitely recommend working on an MSWA show for him or even getting in the ring and mixing it up with Ox, who also is a former oh, Memphis guy. He broke Memphis. One of the things that a lot of people would do during the time off when we had the pandemic, especially early on, was they were updating their wrestling gear. A lot of people, since they had downtime, would go to the gear makers and get fresh designs and update the gear that they had. So when they came back, they had a fresh look and uh, new gear to start. Obviously, wrestling gear is very important to a professional wrestler if they're going to be serious about the business. Do you have a go-to gear maker that makes things for you? Yeah, this guy named uh, Clint Stevens. He lives in this area. He's kind of hard to use now, so he now works full-time for AEW. So he doesn't really do a whole lot of stuff for indie guys, but if I hit him up, bit of gear I had made back in August. I hit him up on a Monday, and luckily he was off that week from AEW, and he had my stuff done by Friday. And then there's Rick Michaels uh, out of Georgia, Adam Roberts out of Alabama. I've gotten stuff from him. But but Clint's my go-to guy. Sports Entertainment. MrSportsEntertainmentGear.com, I believe is his website. What would you say has been the most difficult piece of gear that you've come up with for him to make? Um, man, my stuff's very, very basic. I, I used to wear, like, uh, long pants. And I'd have a skull or some kind of design on one leg and my name on the other. And I went to more of an MMA-type short. And uh, so, yeah, my stuff's very basic. But I've seen some of the stuff that he's done, anything that Bailey and WWE has worn in the last five years, he's made. Kind uh, of think MJF, Chuck Taylor and AEW, pretty much – Half the roster of AEW, the gear you see on TV is the gear that he's made. One of the other big things that we saw in the last couple of years is a lot of wrestlers have uh, been doing the cinematic type of matches. Uh, Those became popular five or six years ago when the Hardy Boys were doing it for Impact Wrestling and a lot of your national promotions picked on it because they had the resources to make it work. But we see a lot of independent companies that have a good production team trying to get in on cinematic matches now. Have you ever done any of the cinematic matches for promotion so far no not yet I think it'd be kind of it'd be kind of cool to do but I have it I have yet to do one I uh 
it'd be fun. It'd be something different, you know, just like filming a movie or whatever. And I've done like like kind of cinematic promos with my manager, but not a match. I would be down for one though. Now, if you had the creative control over things and you were able to bring in your own opponent and your own ideas, what would be your ideal dream cinematic match? Uh, are they? Can I pick somebody who has passed away? Absolutely, it's a dream. A dream match, uh, Bruiser Brody. He's he's one of my all time favorites. So I think either Bruiser Brody or Terry Funk would be my dream match to do, like a cinematic match. It'd be great. Now, where would you, in your dream scenario, have a match like that? Do you have a location where you and Brody would have this match, or did you just think Brody in any situation would be what the dream would be? Oh, any situation. You know, we'd start out, I don't know, like in a, in a locker room and then fight through the whole building and end up in a ring or something or out in a parking lot in the middle of the street. Funny the way, like, do it in, like, like in Tokyo, Japan or something. <laughs> that would be awesome. I could see the gorilla shoe happening on the streets of Japan with you and Brody. That would oh, be yeah. something I think fans would be into watching. Oh, yeah. Like we have said, you've been in wrestling for quite a while, and I'm sure you have picked up a championship or two in your day for sure. What are some of the titles that you hold on your resume? I was was wild side tag team champion four times, and it switched over to and NWA Anarchy, I was Anarchy Tag Team Champion twice, Anarchy Heavyweight Champion. I was IWA Mid-South, uh, Hardcore Champion. A bunch of, like, local promotions, uh, uh, Empire Wrestling, PWA. But that's mainly about it. I've never – I had one of those characters where it was like, you know, I was always built up to be like a pretty hard ass, and being a champion was always kind of like it's one of those. Is like, well, if you put the belt on Tank, how are you gonna take it off of him? So we mainly, I never really held too many singles. I was, I like holding tag belts so my partner could lose, and it'd make more sense that way. Oh, if you could have a match for any championship in the world, be it a national company or even a local independent company for a title that you've never competed for in your career so far, what's the title you're going to try to get? Probably I want to fight John Moxley, so I guess it'd be for the GCW title. Now, John Moxley 
is an interesting guy. He not only was very active in AEW, but he was active at the same time for New Japan Pro Wrestling. He also, in the last several months, started making appearances for independent companies across the country. Sort of a throwback to years and years ago when guys like a Brody or a, a Abdullah the Butcher would just show up anywhere and they weren't really tied to any one promotion or territory. Do you think guys like Moxley can make it as a true independent in that spirit where they can wrestle for several promotions, wrestle independently, wrestle at the national level, and be successful? Or do you think that they're going to eventually spread themselves too thin and maybe wear out or run into the politics of things. I think Moxley's the perfect guy to do it. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys from AEW that still do a lot of independent. You know, they can travel around and, you know, whoever, whoever wants to give, give them that paycheck, uh, I think it is cool that he does do a lot of independent. I think he did one up in your area not too long ago in Washington or Oregon or something. And, uh, uh, yes, yeah, he I did. He, he made a surprise appearance, and then uh, he was scheduled to have a match, but I had to pull out of it at kind of at the last minute. So, yeah, I think it, it could definitely work. Uh, we mentioned Japan, and a lot of wrestlers for well over 20 years now have had the goal of getting to Japan to wrestle. And in the last five years or so, it's become easier, if you discount the pandemic, to get to Japan to wrestle. Uh, they've opened the doors to more independent American and Canadian wrestlers than they had previously is getting to wrestle in Japan something that you've ever thought of for your own career? Uh, Definitely. I just never really had a chance to do it because my real job, it's hard for me to take, you know, weeks off at a time to go over there and wrestle. And like you said, it's a lot easier now than it was 15, 20 years ago because now you basically, if you just pay your own flight, you can just go there and wrestle for whoever the hell you want to, which a lot of guys have done, and then they think they're, you know, oh, I went to Japan. Well, you fool yourself over there. There's a big difference. That's just my opinion. Now, closer to home, a lot of people also have gone down to Mexico to wrestle uh it's been more open to independent wrestlers going down because there's quite a few promotions down there. Uh, We've seen guys like Jack Evans make a full-time career in Mexico uh, from the United States. Is wrestling in Mexico something that you've ever given much thought to for your own career? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, Mexico would be cool. Mexico, Puerto Rico, 
I don't know about Puerto Rico, but yeah, Mexico would be fun. They have a pretty good deathmatch following now with Zona 23, and that's what I. That would be that's like one of the one of the goals for this year is to go to Zona 23 in Mexico. Um, in Tennessee, the style is usually a little bit different, but do you see a lot of the Lucha Libre style wrestlers on shows that you do? Not a whole lot. There's a few guys that have trained Lucha, and uh, they'll kind of put that in a match or two, you know, a spot here and there, and uh, it's pretty interesting to see. I know there's a lot of guys around here, they just they study tapes and watch tapes and go to seminars, and I forgot, I forgot the, the dude's name, but there's a promotion in Atlanta called Lucha Lucha, and they bring in, like, a lot of the top AAA, CMLL guys. They do seminars. So a lot of the kids around here will go down there and do the seminars and learn new stuff. Uh, we've seen up here in our area a few all-Lucha Libre groups that have popped up. Uh, it's become a very, very popular style of wrestling with fans since the advent of people like Rey Mysterio and Psicosis and Juventud Guerrera and WCW and so more promotions in the United States are doing all Lucha shows over the last few years do you think that the all Lucha shows will eventually attract a national Audience, do you think that we'll see maybe an American all lucha style promotion pop up on a bigger stage, or do you think that that is still a niche audience? Yeah, I think it's a niche audience. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who will watch lucha and don't get it. You know, the you know the rules are a little different. Like six man tags, you don't have to tag; you can just come in. If somebody goes to the floor, you can come in. Like scramble rules. But like I was saying, that show in Atlanta, they they draw well, you know, twelve to fifteen hundred people every show that they run. So I I think in like certain areas, to draw well, like big cities, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Detroit, out west, maybe in L.A., where there's a you know a big uh, Mexican following. I know in here in the southeast, uh, they they love their 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 lucha libre in Atlanta. You've talked about NWA Wildside during the course of the interview. For the fans that don't recall it or are too young to recall it, NWA Wildside was a fairly large independent promotion made twenty twenty five years ago. One of the bigger stars that appeared out of NWA Wildside, of course, was AJ Styles. It's sort of where he started his career. Did you get the opportunity at all to work with a young AJ Styles? I uh, 
I did a few tags with him. I never actually got to wrestle him, but we were uh, uh, we did a few tags, six mans. Uh, we did a war games together. Oh man, Wildside was great. I mean, if you ask me, Wildside was this, was like the first super independent promotion because Ring of Honor came and took like half our roster. So they took half our roster and then half of like uh, the Northeast guys was because uh, we had you know AJ, Tony Mamaluke, David Young, um, Masada. So, yeah, AJ, and the first time I ever saw AJ, I, I just went to Wildside as a fan just to check it out. And I saw him do a shooting star press from the top rope to the floor. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to get in down here. And six months later, I had my opportunity, and I took it, and I was with Wildside from 2001 to, or in that building, it went from Wildside to Anarchy from 2001 to 2007. And it came back in 2009 to like 2012. When you think back to those days teaming with AJ Styles, did you at that point in time see anything in him that indicated that he was going to be somebody that would eventually be upper echelon of WWE at some point? I did. I mean, we we went to Florida as a group, and he wrestled Christopher Daniels was the match that kind of put him on the map on Independence. He had signed with WCW like right at the very end, and then like he signed and they shut down like three weeks later. And he was on Nitro Thunder a couple of times, but the match with Daniels got him noticed, and he started traveling. And then when he left us, I was like, yeah, this dude's gonna make it big. And, of course, he spent a lot of time at Impact or uh, TNA and then in, turned into Impact or whatever. And I was like, I, I didn't ever really think he was ever going to go to WWE because of his role at Impact. But then they kind of did him wrong. And he did the little stint in New Japan. When he showed up at WWE, I was, he kept it pretty kayfabe from everybody that he had signed with him. I text with him from time to time, so I was like, man, you got me. Well, Tank, at this point, it looks like my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, has joined us, so I'm going to pass things over to Coach, who I'm sure has some questions for you. All right. Hey, Tank. Uh, hey, yeah, I'm imp- I'm impressed with your career that I've, what I've seen in uh, – was you at, was you part of the military? Is that why you took the name Tank? No, I picked the name Tank from Tank Abbott. When I first okay. started wrestling, uh, I had hair, and I shaved my head, and I was like, I look like Tank Abbott, so I just went with Tank. Okay, nice. And then, uh, yeah, man, I've seen, I've seen one of your matches with Samoa Joe, and my God, I was impressed with that. It's like, you know, most people, uh, you did a lot better than most people who wrestled him. Oh, yeah. You know, where yeah, I... Yeah. Definitely, you're knocking him around and uh, giving him definitely a tough time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun match. That's one of my favorite matches I've ever had. And then I was definitely impressed with you got a win over Necro Butcher, which uh, I seen he was the number one 
on the top 15 uh, hardcore wrestlers, he made it to number one, and you got a victory over him, and that's really impressive. Oh, yeah. So how many times have you have you worked him? I wrestled Nick Rose uh, seven or eight times, and I beat him three. He beat me five, I guess. If he wrestled eight okay. times, I beat Nick Rose three times. He beat me the rest. Damn. That is definitely impressive. And then uh, uh, did you play sports in high school? I played football and wrestling. And, and then what? what's your self-defense background? Um, none. <laughs> none? Just, just, what, just, the, uh, just what the guys need fighting? to train me. Yeah, a, little, a few fights here and there, but what the guys trained me to be a pro wrestler, they taught me how to defend myself and don't take any shit from anybody. So All right, yeah, that's the nice. kind of gimmick I've had forever. Okay. And then, uh, uh, so who was some of your toughest opponents? Oh, man. You got Necro, Butcher, Samoa Joe, Masada. Uh, uh, I've wrestled the Barbarian. He was tough as nails. Manny Fernandez, Abdullah the Butcher. Okay, nice. Yeah, geez, the toughest of the tough. Yeah. And then what? what's uh, one of your most memorable matches? Uh, I would say the Samoa Joe match. Uh, I had one a couple weeks ago with John Wayne Murdoch. It was really, really good and bloody, and we beat the crap out of each other. That was that was cool. Uh, the Barbarian, any you know, any of those guys, Abdullah. Yeah, I mean, okay. I just, it's just hard to pinpoint, like you know, uh, just one or two matches. I've had a lot of good matches in my career. Yeah, a lot of people have the same answers. <laughs> it is t- tough to pinpoint one, yes. And then what about uh, one of your most hated opponents? Most hated? Yeah. Probably Brad Cash. I hate him. Okay. And then you got a little bit like- of background on that? No, we just don't get along. We get someone else. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, so when did you start wrestling? 1996. Okay. Same year as me. Nice. And then uh, I figure you got a, probably got a few more years left in you, huh? Well, I've, I just turned 51, so. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a little. A little older, a little slower, a little grayer. <laughs> you know, it's still it's still fun. I probably got yeah, about play, a year or two left. Playing it by year or two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm fifty I'm fifty seven and uh I basically just trying to do managing now and picking and choosing my spots if I am gonna wrestle some more. I'm sure I got yeah. I got a few more matches in me. <laughs> All right, and then um uh do you have any uh suggestions for anybody who wants to get into the business yeah just if you get on shows or first find a training school that's legit just don't go to any joe schmo local guy i mean find some schools that are legit and once you start training lifting when you get on shows find the veterans and pick their brain 
I know a lot of these young guys now, they don't want to talk to the older guys. They think they know every damn thing. But yeah, we know a little bit more than they do. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and then uh, what do you got coming up? I have got a show in Chattanooga next Saturday. I'm wrestling this kid named Mert, who's really good. And then I'm off for the rest of the year, and I'm taking the month of January off. And then February, I'm going to pick back up with ICW and some shows here in the Southeast. Nice. All right, cool. Well, it's been an honor to talk to you, and we're uh, grateful that you came on the show, and thank you for all that you've done to, for the business. And, uh, you know, uh, you've got a great career. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So I'm sure Sign's got some follow-ups. Okay. I did have a couple. So take there's been a few people over the years that have been either named Tank or they, in Shotzi Blackheart's case, brought a Tank to the ring. Have you ever had an issue where the name came into play and someone said, hey, that's my name, or you went to them and said, hey, I'm Tank in this area, anything like that? Yeah, I had, I had one issue with a guy a few years ago. Uh, he was wrestling his Tank also, and we kind of talked it out. And, I mean, I was at the point where I was ready to just fight him for it. But he didn't really want to do all that, so he just quit wrestling altogether. So I guess I ran that tank out of the business. <laughs> Seems like it. I told Coach that Tank Abbott was sort of the inspiration for the name. Did you ever get the opportunity to come across Tank Abbott at all? I did not. Uh, when Wildside was running, the WCW they were kind of like WCW's uh, developmental territory. And when they pulled out in April of 2001, I started there in May. So I think Abbott did wrestle at the Wild Side building a couple of times. Um, yeah, that would have been awesome just to hang out with him and shoot the breeze with him. I, I sure in the hell didn't want to fight him for real. So <laughs> I can see that. Now, Tank Abbott, in addition to MMA and wrestling, also did some acting work. He'd pop up on an episode of Friends. He did cameos in movies and so forth. A lot of wrestlers get into, like, the television and movie industry as well because they have a general idea of how that works, and usually it's a seamless transition. Have you ever done any television or movie work? I have not. I'm I'm from the south, and I sound like a hillbilly, so nobody wants to hire me to. I don't even do my own <laughs> promos anymore. I have I have my manager do them because I sound like I got a mouth full of marbles half the time. I get you can probably tell I'm very scatterbrained and go from one thing to the other. So now nah, I'll just stick to beating people up and doing my thing in the ring. Now, managers are something that at the national level you don't see very often anymore. Independently, there's yeah. still several really good ones out there, but it's not 
as prevalent as it used to be. Who do you think are some of the better managers out there that fans should notice more? Uh, well, my manager, the Rev, he, he's the best promo guy in the business right now. I don't care what anybody says. Indy, AEW, WWE, all the promos that he does, he comes up with are just so great. Uh, you know, and he's still got a lot more years left in him than I do. So when I'm gone, hopefully he can get with somebody else and get them over like he's gotten me over the last few years. We're down to the last few minutes of the show. I want to make sure you have ample time. If there is anything at all you want to say to the fans, plug and promote anything and everything you have, social medias, upcoming appearances, merchandise, your favorite barbecue restaurant, anything at all, floor is all yours. Yeah, I just want to, you know, all the fans that come out and um, talk to me, I've I'm all about just sitting around after shows and shooting the shit with the fans. And uh, my merch is on deathmatchworldwide.com. I have three designs on there. I uh, My Twitter is tank underscore at EST1996. My Facebook's my real name, which is Warren Hollander. So I'm more of a Facebook guy than I am Twitter. Instagram is Strong Style Psycho. And like I told your buddy a few minutes ago, I got one more match this year that I'm off for about six weeks. So if you see me on the bill, come out and visit. Come out and say, hey, I'm I'm very friendly. Well, Tank, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And best of luck on the one remaining match here in 2021, and hopefully we'll get to see a lot more in 2022. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, fans, definitely, if Tank is on the card, get out there and check him out. Fantastic performer. I think you will enjoy him and his work. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon. Our game show part two is happening Sunday, we are doing our version of Jeopardy. Prizes will be awarded, so it's a huge deal. A week from today, Wild Lyle, the NGW heavyweight champion, will be with us. Make sure you join us for Wild Lyle. Everybody stay safe out there, support your local independents, and we will talk to you soon.